The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. School of Humans. It was Halloween night, October 31st, 2020, and 22-year-old Aisha Jackson was getting ready to go to a party. Aisha was braiding her hair and getting into costume while talking to her mother, Laquita Parker. Aisha and her girlfriends were doing a purge theme that night, so they had hockey masks and slashed shirts with fake blood on them. Aisha is small in stature, only five foot two and 115 pounds, but her family said she could fill and light up a room, especially when she danced, which she loved to do. Aisha had a happy life. She lived in El Dorado, Arkansas, just a short distance away from her mother, her 15-year-old brother, Jaquez, and the rest of her family. Aisha lived on South Roselawn Avenue in El Dorado, but because she had a couple of break-ins at her home recently, she was staying at her uncle's house. Her uncle, William Parker Jr., is Laquita's brother. William and his wife, Shaquilla, lived on the 500 block of Stewart Avenue in El Dorado, which was just a few minutes away from Aisha's house. Aisha had multiple cats and dogs at home, and she took great care of all of her animals. Aisha and her mother were very close. They normally spoke several times per day. So when Laquita did not hear from her daughter at all on November 1st, by November 2nd, she was scared. So early that morning, on November 2nd, Laquita, her boyfriend Freddie, and Aisha's brother Jaquez jumped in their car and headed to Aisha's house on South Roselawn. When the family got there, they could see immediately that something was very wrong. Laquita went in and found her daughter's stuff there, including her wallet and cell phone, 
One of Aisha's dogs was out running around, which was very unusual. The place kind of looked like she had just stepped out for a few minutes, but Aisha never came back home. I'm Katherine Townsend. Over the past five years of making my true crime podcast, Helen Gone, I've learned there's no such thing as a small town where murder never happens. I've received hundreds of messages from people all around the country asking for help with an unsolved murder that's affected them, their families, and their communities. If you have a case you'd like me and my team to look into, you can reach out to us at our Helen Gone Murder Line at 678-744-6145. That's 678-744-6145. This is Helen Gone Murder Line. car ride over to Aisha's apartment, Jacquez said he was hoping that he would walk in and just see his sister there and that the reason they hadn't heard from her was maybe just a prank by his sister or maybe a misunderstanding. Maybe her phone had died. As soon as Aisha's brother walked in, he knew that something was very wrong. He noticed that Aisha's door was unlocked and a little bit cracked open. My mother had already said that she had a bad feeling. I never, you know, knew, you know, too much of it. And under my impression, my sister is at home. I'm going to go over with my sister, you know. When I walked up the stairs, I was happy. I'm going to see my sister. You know, we're going to talk, laugh, joke around, you know. So when when I walked up the stairs and I noticed that, I could see something was wrong, but I didn't want to think that. You know what I'm saying? But then I looked down and down the stairs and said, Mama... Her door open and she's not in there. Her house is ramshacked. My sister not like that. She not just going to leave her house like that. Inside, Jacquez said the house looked like it had been ransacked. But on closer inspection, some of Aisha's family members believed that the scene looked kind of staged, like someone had come in and pretended they were trying to rob the place, but they didn't really take anything. Things were thrown around, but only superficially. And everything of value was still in the apartment. Aisha's purse was lying out in the open on her bed. Her phone was plugged into the charger in the living room. And her animals were all fine. Usually, Aisha would make sure to feed her dogs, take them out, and put them all in their kennels when she left. But one was out, which Jacquez said was highly unusual. Picture a clean house, right? You got a recliner, you got a black couch, and you have like a little end table that's in like in the middle of the living room. And then we have like a a regular queen-size bed with a tall dresser, tall black dresser. And on top of that, you have clothes in all those dressers. You have a TV on top of that dresser as well. And this, everything is clean. Nothing is on the floor. You have blankets and stuff like that. Everything is put up. You have a dog cage and all of that, the bathroom and everything. Everything is cleaned up and stuff like that. And you know how your sister is, especially when it comes down to her animals. She's not going to leave her animals for too long. She'll either have somebody to go over there and check up on the animals or something. Dog is out the page, running around. Her animals is loose. None of her personal items was taken, but you know that this is not the way your sister would have left her house. 
Her phone was neatly placed on the couch, on the charger. Her purse was on the table. Her purse was on the table. We had along with her medicine. Right along with her medicine. Oh, so her medicine was there too. Right. So then that's where it gives you a, a clear idea. That's, that's the first idea, okay, well, something got to be wrong mm -hmm. because she's not just going to leave her personal stuff. You're not going to leave her wallet. That phone and that purse going to go everywhere she go. Because Aisha was a young woman who had recently gotten out of a long-term relationship, of course, police started to investigate the men in her life. Jaquez told me that he went over and talked with Aisha's long-term ex-boyfriend, the one she had been with for years and recently broken up with. Jaquez said, by the way, the long-term ex was extremely upset, cooperated completely with law enforcement, helped search for Aisha, and, to my knowledge, has never been mentioned as a potential person of interest in this case. Aisha had been on dates with a few different people in the weeks before she went missing. She was being a normal 22-year-old young woman, not rushing to jump into a serious relationship after getting out of one, living in her own place and enjoying her life. And one guy who she did casually date was a 23-year-old man named Samaji. I've seen the police report, and according to this document, Samaji and Aisha had been dating, but that changed in the days leading up to her being reported missing. And of course, anytime you have anyone who has recently ended a relationship and they go missing, of course you have to take a hard look at all of their exes. But contrary to what's been reported in some of the media I've seen, when I talk to Aisha's family and friends, they say that her relationship with Samaji was not full of drama or serious or anything like that, that it was a casual relationship. Basically, to their knowledge, they just hung out a few times. On October 23rd, just a week before Aisha went missing, someone broke into Aisha's house. Now, Aisha's grandmother, Ernestine, told a local news station that Aisha and Samaji had recently ended things, and she also told the reporter something else that was kind of alarming. Ernestine said Aisha told her that she had come home and seen men breaking into her house. And not only that, Ernestine said Aisha knew who these men were. There were actually two incidents. So the first incident, according to Ernestine, Aisha came home and saw that someone had broken in her house. Then the second time she came home, Ernestine said that Aisha walked in the house, saw two guys actually in there, and recognized one of them as Samaji. Apparently, Aisha called the police. The two men fled the scene. Ernestine said that Samaji was, quote, one of the guys that Aisha identified as breaking into her home. She was already in the house when he came in there on her. She explained this to us. She told us this, end quote. Now, I should say that other members of Aisha's family who I've spoken to have questions about whether that conversation happened that way and whether Samaji actually was one of the men who was allegedly in Aisha's home that day, but we will get to that in next week's episode. After the break-in, Aisha's name was added to the police patrol list, which means she was supposed to have a patrol car drive by her home at regular intervals. And again, because of that break-in, Aisha was staying with her uncle, Laquita's brother, William, and his wife, Shakila. When Aisha went missing, the case made local news. And remember, this was during COVID, so a lot of people were stuck at home watching a lot of TV. In November of 2020, 
an old high school friend of Laquita's named Rena Borden saw that Aisha was missing. Rena will get a lot more involved with this case later. On November 2nd, after Aisha's mother and brother left her apartment, they called the police immediately. The police told Laquita that she had to wait 48 hours before her daughter could be reported missing. Now, I'm bringing this up because the El Dorado Police Department have made statements to other people saying this was not the case and that's not their policy. I'm really mentioning this because I think it is so crucial for everyone to understand that is not the law. That is not the rule. You do not have to wait 24, 48, 72 hours to report someone missing. So if the police tell you that, stand your ground and demand that they do it immediately. It's very important. Police did not immediately seem to be treating Aisha's house as a crime scene. And her family said they couldn't understand this. Granted, Aisha is above legal age, but why would a young woman leave all of her stuff, her cell phone, her purse, and everything else at home and just walk out the door, leaving it unlocked? Aisha's mother also pointed out that Aisha had medical conditions, medical conditions that meant that she needed daily medication. And she had also left all of her medication behind. But after a few days, police did start the search for Aisha. Captain Harwell of the El Dorado Police Department said police conducted multiple searches on foot, with drones, and with all-terrain vehicles. Police also told reporters they had cadaver dogs looking for Aisha on at least two different occasions. Weeks went by and there were no arrests. Captain Harwell said the department had multiple items of evidence that would require submission to the Arkansas State Crime Lab for processing, which really does not tell us much. And we don't know what those items were or if they were given any kind of priority. And we know that in the Arkansas State Crime Lab, if something is not a homicide, there have been serious backlogs with evidence testing in the past. Of course, once the case made the news, the police and the family did get some false leads. The family got several tips, including someone that told them Aisha may be buried in a shallow grave in a cemetery near Strong, Arkansas. Police from the Union County Sheriff's Office responded to that scene with Aisha's family. They went out there and searched in those woods, but in the end, they didn't find anything. And then, in December of 2020, all of a sudden, there were two arrests. And this is a strange set of circumstances how this all played out. I don't feel like it's been reported on a lot, and we're going to go a lot more in-depth into exactly what went down with these arrests next week. One of the men arrested was Samaji, the 23-year-old man who Aisha had dated. At first, this seemed like it could be a huge break in the case. Samaji was brought up on charges of capital murder, kidnapping, and an enhanced penalty for engaging in criminal group activity. This was weird, though, because after the arrest, police said they still hoped to find Aisha alive. So this seems contradictory. They're charging someone potentially with capital murder, yet they still hope to find her alive. Then there was another twist in the case. News broke that another man had been arrested, 46-year-old Kenneth Lee. Laquita said Kenneth Lee had contacted Aisha's uncle, William, and allegedly told him if the family gave him $8,000, he would give them information about where Aisha was. It turned out this was all just a big scam. 
Kenneth was allegedly basically blackmailing the family and had no information about Aisha, which of course was heartbreaking to her family. But eventually, the charges against Kenneth were dropped as well. Now, it was very interesting here because from the statements that Captain Harwell was making, he said the possibility of making further arrests is quite possible. We may have another person involved. It really seemed like police were leaning into a potential theory that there might be multiple arrests or that Samaji could face more charges. Another interesting point is even though Samaji and Kenneth were arrested pretty much at the same time, initially it seemed like there was zero connection between them. It did not appear that they knew each other at all. And I'm flagging this up because as you'll see in next week's episode, William, Samaji, and Kenneth and how this whole scenario played out has not really been reported on and is actually fascinating. Be patient with me. This is a real-time investigation. And so I am looking into that right now and I will be giving you more details. Going back to these arrests, after the arrest of Samaji especially, most people in the community believe police were moving forward and I can see why they would think that. The victim's ex was arrested. It was someone she was involved with intimately. Police have filed potential capital murder charges. So people were thinking, well, the police must have evidence. But then one month went by and then two months, police had still not charged Samaji. And again, Kenneth, the second guy, seemed to be a scammer, someone who had nothing to do with Aisha's disappearance. Samaji's defense attorney filed an order to have him released from custody. He said that in Arkansas, formal charges had to be filed within 60 days of an arrest. So, in February of 2021, police released Samaji, and he walked out a free man. At the time, Captain Harwell told the media that police just didn't feel they had enough evidence to prosecute. He said they would prefer to wait until they had more rather than moving forward and risking a loss in court. Reporters did ask Captain Harwell if he felt like they had made the arrest too quickly, but he said he believed the police made the right choice. What he mentioned that he had as his ammunition to get the arrest was witness statements. We're going to get more into that later, too, exactly who these witness statements were made by and why this went down this way. Of course, it's just speculation, but... My guess is that after they arrested Samaji, police thought that they really might have their guy. And if he had done something to Aisha, potentially they could apply pressure to him and figure out where Aisha's body was. Captain Harwell basically said that. He told the media that the main reason that they were unable to prosecute is because they did not have a body. They had no idea where Aisha might be and they were looking for help from the public. So the police were openly admitting they had no idea where Aisha was. So months went by, and months became years. In 2022, Laquita's high school friend, Rena Borden, the same one who had seen the news report back in 2020, came into the story. Like many people, she remembered seeing the item on the news about Aisha being missing. Then she remembered seeing something on the news about the arrest. So she assumed the police were making progress. When Rena saw on social media there were still no suspects, she reached out to Laquita. At the time, she said she had no idea how much this case would consume her life. I didn't get involved until like September of 2022. 
And the reason I got involved was because I had gone to eat at a restaurant here in town, and they had a flower of Aisha, just like a Facebook printout. I didn't really have her information on there, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, they might need some help. I could get flyers and print them and distribute them. That's something I could do, you know, and that's really all I had the intentions of doing. I didn't even reach out to Laquito. I went straight to the police department, and I was just like, hey, just wanted to ask if it was all right if I could pass out flyers to local businesses because I noticed there wasn't any up. And the receptionist went back to the captain's office and then came back. He said, be his guest. Go ahead. And I was like, can you give me the flyer to make a copy or do something? And she said, just the one online will do. And so that's what I did. I printed up a bunch of them and started passing them out. And I was looking for Laquita as well, you know, trying to get a hold of the mother just because I didn't want her to think I was wanting to touch base with her and say, is this okay? You know, what else would you like me to do? Do you want me to bring you dinner? You know, something like that. So I decided to plan a vigil. And then that's when I brought Joanna in. Joanna is a friend of Rena's. Together, they started printing flyers and trying to help Laquita get some clarity on what was going on with her daughter's case. When Rena started to research the case and saw the missing persons flyers that were already out there, she noticed that most of them said Aisha had been seen on the night of November 4th. But she said she knew that this was just not true. We had a meeting and Laquita came. She remembered me from school, so that took a lot of the You know, I I wasn't a total stranger to her or anything. And um, during the meeting, she was trying to address the fact of the date her daughter went missing. And, of course, me and Joanna's ears are all perked up, and nobody else seemed to, like, catch on to We knew something was wrong, because I was just casually reading the flyer out loud, and I was like, okay, so she was last seen November 4th. And someone had chimed in, and they were like, well, actually, it was October 31st. Like, with, wow. you know, I was like, like, and it was just awkward for a second. So we are like, oh, okay, all right. Rena and Laquita started to wonder, if the day Aisha went missing was wrong after two years, what else could have potentially slipped through the cracks? And why was the wrong date continuing to be reported? I went back and tried to figure this out. I've seen the police report, which has a record of Aisha calling to report that break-in on the 23rd of October. And on that report, the officer wrote down that the last time anyone in her family had seen her was November 4th, but he doesn't note who told him that. We're going to go way more in-depth about this next week because figuring out this timeline is a crucial part of this story. But it turns out that that's not true. Aisha's family members tell me no one has seen Aisha in person since October 31st. Rena said when she started printing the flyers, she found out because of this misinformation, she believed that there was not a sense of public urgency. Rena has spent almost two years now trying to help her friend. I'm not an investigator. I'm not an attorney. I'm not anything, but I can be a friend. And, you know, at least get her out of the house. Because I'm thinking, how does she sit in that house all this? That's got to be miserable. And then not getting any answers. Nobody will call her back to let her know what's going on with her daughter. And you have a son that's around the same age. Yeah, yeah. And I do have a, yeah. That's a big part of it, too. My son went to school with Aisha. 
so um yeah it, that hit me hard so I would take her to lunch and she was so upset about that the date on those flyers and so I just realized nobody's listening to this mom and so I just said why don't you just sit down one day and just tell me the story you know I'll listen to you tell me the story and so she told me the story and I emailed the prior captain at the time that was on the case and he said Laquita is correct you know October 31st is the right date and I sent an email of where I'm like okay well can you change it then and that he says he can't change it because something about you can't make changes to a report once they're made. So I want to make sure that Aisha's family, her mother and her brother are heard and that we have the correct information about this timeline. So what happened between October 31st, 2020 and November 4th? We have to go back to Halloween night. Hey y'all, it's Catherine. As you know from Helen Gone, crime can happen to anyone at any time. When it comes to home security, your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. Obviously, we cannot control everything that happens out there in the world, but when I'm in my own home, I feel very reassured by the fact that I have a home security system. And Simply Safe is affordable, easy to use, and crucially, it's easy to get started with and then build on later as you need more functionality. They have a huge variety of indoor and outdoor cameras. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day with no contracts and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash Helengon. That's simplysafe.com slash Helen gone. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. On October 31st, 2020, between 1 and 2 p.m., Laquita went over to her brother's house where Aisha had been staying. 
She was there to drop off some stuff for Aisha. Again, Aisha was staying with William and Shaquilla at their home. My source tells me that there were some other family members there at the time. It was Halloween, and Aisha was heading out with some girlfriends. Her aunt, Shaquilla, and William were also going with them. Aisha's mother was babysitting William and Shaquilla's two young sons, who were elementary school age. So Laquita and William and Shaquilla's kids went back to Laquita's. Aisha got ready and got into her costume, the purge costume that she and her girlfriend, Shanice and Serenity, had kind of DIY'd. They had the slashed white t-shirts, and they'd kind of splashed them with either red paint or fake blood. A couple of them had hockey masks on. So I have a lot of questions about exactly what happened that night, but we can fill in some of the gaps. We know that at some point, the women, Aisha, Shanice, Serenity, and Shaquilla, Aisha's aunt, stopped by the Go Rainbow Food Mart, a convenience store located on Junction City Road in El Dorado. We know this because someone took a picture of them there. People have told me this could have been taken by William, Aisha's uncle, but we don't know for sure. That's not confirmed. Either way, though, these women looked like they were having a good time and ready for a fun night out. The photo, by the way, was later posted on Aisha's Aunt Shaquilla's Facebook page. At around 10 p.m. that night, Aisha's brother Jaquez FaceTimed her. Now, according to Rena, Aisha told Jaquez during that phone conversation that she was on her way to a Halloween party at a bar called The Wheel in Camden. But that again has not been confirmed. The bar has apparently claimed they were closed on Halloween night. I have some questions about this. Remember, this is during COVID and a lot of unofficial parties were taking place around town. One of Aisha's friends said that they did go there that night and that they were dancing. Aisha apparently wasn't really dancing with anyone specific. They had a good time and the night wound down. After going separate ways from her girlfriends, Aisha headed back to the 500 block of Stewart Avenue, where William and Shaquilla lived, and where Aisha had been staying. They got there at around 2 to 3 a.m. Now, one of Aisha's girlfriends said that William and Shaquilla were talking about a trip to Houston they were going to take. Apparently, they were going to Houston the next day, and they asked this friend of Aisha's to go with them. She claimed she said she didn't want to go. But apparently, Aisha may have wanted to go with them. Aisha had previously asked her mom about going to Houston with William and Shaquilla. Laquita told Aisha she didn't need to do that. That would basically be too much for her. Now, supposedly, they were taking this trip to move furniture. Apparently, William and Shaquilla were moving out of an apartment in Houston. They needed to get the furniture that was in the apartment out of there and into a nearby storage unit. This story in itself is a little strange to me because A, why would they go to move furniture in the middle of the night? And B, why would they take a tiny girl to help them do it? So now it's the next morning, November 1st, between 6 and 7 a.m. Laquita calls Aisha. Aisha doesn't answer her cell phone. So Laquita calls her brother, William. She asks William where Aisha is. William tells Laquita that Aisha's asleep. Laquita tries to call Aisha several more times throughout that day. Aisha never picked up. This was highly unusual because Aisha always picked up calls from her mom. At some point, Shaquilla came to pick up her two sons, the ones who Laquita was babysitting. 
at that time, Laquita said she asked Shaquilla when she last saw Aisha. Shaquilla told her that she had dropped her off at home the day before and had not seen or heard from her since. Now, this was a red flag because she says when she talked to William, he told her he dropped Aisha off at home. Now, she seemed to understand Shaquilla was saying she had dropped Aisha off. That day, Laquita kept calling her daughter's phone. She was blowing up Aisha's phone, but the phone just kept ringing out. And each time she called her brother, William, he tells Laquita Aisha's sleeping or she's in the bathroom or her phone is dead. Laquita was never able to connect with Aisha that day. Finally, at around 9 p.m., William answers the phone again. This time, he tells Laquita that they have been back from Houston, Texas for a while and that he had dropped Aisha off at home. He meant the one she had recently rented on Roselawn Avenue. So I have questions about that. Again, first of all, is it reasonable to believe that between 3 a.m. and 9 p.m. the next night that William and Shaquilla and Aisha had driven to Houston, which is about a five to six hour drive, and back and had time to move furniture? I mean, I guess theoretically it's possible, but even with no sleep, that is a stretch. Also, again, why would they be taking a five foot two young woman to help move this furniture in the first place? So to the public, everybody thought that she had gone to help her uncle move furniture. A 90 pound, 22 year old female went to go help move furniture. Later on, it seems like William and Shaquilla said that they had both dropped Aisha off together. And I guess it's possible that Laquita misheard. But as a mother, she had instinct with these things. And these discrepancies in the beginning can be extremely crucial. They need to be clarified. Now, the police have stated publicly that Aisha did go with her family to Texas and that they have confirmed that. Captain Prim said, quote, started doing some background, found out that she had gone to Texas, supposed to have been with a family member. We confirm she did go to Texas, end quote. But some of Aisha's family members wonder if that's true. They wonder if Aisha ever made it to Houston at all. Laquita has said that Captain Harwell told her that he could not verify that Aisha went to Texas. Rena had a conversation with him in November of 2022. He told her the same thing, that police could not confirm that Aisha had been to Texas. I'm going to reach out to the police to see if they have any comment on this timeline, and we're going to go a lot more into depth on this next week. Bottom line, many of Aisha's family members wonder if she ever left Arkansas. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried vaping, thought it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zinn nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zinn pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zinn fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zinn pouch in is you. Zinn is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience, which means Zinn pairs well with you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Aisha's brother Jaquez has spoken out very publicly on his sister's behalf. He has brought up a lot of things he says he just does not understand about this investigation. He has openly voiced his suspicion of Aisha's aunt, Shakila, and her uncle William. Jacquez said alarm bells started going off for him the moment he pulled into his sister's driveway on November 2nd. Shakila was right behind them with her stepdaughter in the car. And Jacquez wondered, how did she get there so fast? Did she already know that something was wrong? Jaquez later said that he believed that his aunt had been very dramatic, maybe almost overly emotional. And after the family went to the police and the searches started, Jaquez said he started to get more and more suspicious, especially after Samaji was arrested and released. Eventually, the relationship between Jaquez, Shakila, and William got more and more strained. So your suspicions about Shaquilla and her husband happened, was that because because the way they were acting, they just weren't acting, you know, normal in your opinion? In the middle, you know, take a rocket science to figure that out, they're done. It's all moved in the middle of an investigation, right? Mm -hmm. So why, I mean, why do, I mean, why do that? Why move? So they moved in the middle of it. Literally. They was in Houston. They moved to Houston and they was up there in Houston. And that's the verified and that's factual from what I know is from when they was going up there to get furniture on the way up there, they already had knew that no furniture was in that apartment. The furniture was already stolen. So Mm -hmm. there was no furniture in that apartment. So the trip to Houston was to go up there to get the furniture out of the apartment and take it to a storage unit. Okay. They never had, took no, they never got to no furniture up there because there was no furniture in the apartment. And when the police asked, they gave a false location, so. 
for where they were supposedly living. Right. What Jacquez was saying there was that his uncle and Shaquilla allegedly gave police a fake address in Houston. If that's true, how could that not raise red flags? Now, again, this is something that Jacquez claims. I don't know if it's true. The police have never mentioned Shaquilla or William as people of interest at all in this investigation. They completely deny they had anything to do with Aisha's disappearance. Just want to make that clear. But again, I just want to go back to the timeline. Did Aisha actually leave Arkansas and go to Houston? This is a crucial point, something we need to figure out. So let's go back for a minute and talk about Aisha's phone. As we said before, the phone was left at Aisha's apartment. But shockingly, the police did not immediately take it. I really don't get this. I mean, Aisha had called the police multiple times to report break-ins. She'd been put on the patrol list. So I really don't get why there was not immediate alarm when her apartment was found like that. In the end, Jacquez said Shaquilla took Aisha's phone. Now, according to Jacquez, this was because Shaquilla apparently thought that her son, he might be able to figure out the password. But Laquita said in the end, her family members told her they could not get into the phone. They couldn't guess the password. Eventually, the phone was given to police. But that was several days after Aisha went missing. I have also heard rumors that Aisha sent text messages on November 2nd. I wanted to get to the bottom of this. Rena said that she had discussed this with Captain Harwell. And apparently he told her that this came from one of Aisha's relatives supposedly receiving a text from Aisha after November 2nd and her grandmother potentially getting a FaceTime call. And there were supposedly posts on Facebook related to this. I'm trying to track down those Facebook posts because figuring out when those calls took place and if anyone actually saw or heard Aisha would seem to be a crucial piece of data we need to figure out. Captain Harwell of the El Dorado Police Department released a statement asking the public to come forward with information. He said, quote, What we need at this time is for people to come forward and tell us what they know. People don't want to get involved. People are scared of retaliation. End quote. I can understand part of this because, as we'll go into in more detail next week, a lot of people who are potentially connected to this case do have criminal backgrounds, but... I just want everyone out there to think about this mother, this brother, this family. Imagine if it were your daughter who had vanished without a trace and you had no idea what happened. I know that you would want someone to come forward. We need for someone to come forward with information. Anyone with any information can call the El Dorado Police Department at 870-881-4810. We are going to keep going on this case next week. First of all, I want to find out if Aisha ever actually left Arkansas and made it to Houston. And if she did, where's the proof of that? I also want to track down and try our best to answer the question of whether there were texts and or calls from Aisha's phone made after October 31st. This could give us more information about where Aisha was headed or if the conclusion leads us to believe Aisha might have met with foul play then we need to be asking a different question. If Aisha was not alive after October 31st, 
who sent those text messages from her phone. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Helen Gone, Murderline. Helen Gone, Murderline is a production of School of Humans and iHeart Podcasts. It's written and narrated by me, Katherine Townsend, and produced by Gabby Watts. Music contributed by Ben Salee. Executive producers of Virginia Prescott, Brandon Barr, and Elsie Crowley. If you have a case you'd like me and my team to look into, you can reach out to us at our Helen Gone Murder Line at 678-744-6145. That's 678-744-6145. School of Humans. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.